Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Welcome to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson, and today is not an ordinary day. I'm coming to you from the studios of CBS Sports HQ in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where every minute of every hour of today has been different breaking news. This is where the intersection of sports and life happens in a way that none of us wants. We want normalcy. We prayed for normalcy. We hope that the day would not come when all sports ceased And today has been that day. It all started last night. Everything was going perfectly normally. And at approximately 9.37 p.m. Eastern Time, word came out that a player in the NBA named Rudy Gobert had tested positively for COVID-19, the coronavirus. That is what we had talked about here at HQ and on Nothing Personal. Day after day, we said, listen, Everything's going to be fine, but the minute one player gets it, that is when all games will have to stop. It took the NBA four minutes, unprecedented. In four minutes, the NBA said, we are suspending the league now, immediately. Remember, the NBA had said previously, we may play games with no fans. We knew that in Golden State, the Warriors were going to play with no fans. We knew the Washington Wizards were told to play with no fans, but said, no, we're going to play in front of fans. It was fractured. Owners didn't know what to do. Players were uncomfortable to speak up. It was a little bit of mayhem with a side dose of indecisiveness. Well, in four minutes, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, changed all that when he announced that the NBA was suspending the regular season. But strangely enough, those of us watching the NBA... Watch the games continue. How surreal was it watching the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets continue their game after the season was going to be suspended? No news on when or if the season would start again. No idea will the playoffs actually happen in April, May, and June. No idea whether the seedings in the NBA as they currently are will be the seedings for the playoffs. No idea if we'd be without professional basketball. And that's okay. Adam Silver realized that he had to make a decision, and he made it. He didn't go as far as he needed to go because there was still a game being played between the Mavericks and the Nuggets. Let's put that aside. Let's go to Utah. A player, Rudy Gobert. If you've never heard of him, he's extremely tall and extremely talented. Except he did something that was extremely not funny. He made light of coronavirus by during a press conference when the media had been asked to stay away. As you recall, this all began with the media being banned from the clubhouses. And we told you on HQ and on Nothing Personal that that is a silly step to take. That is not going to stop the spread of coronavirus. That is not going to protect the health of the players or the members of the media. It's only going to make things awkward. 
But yet that was the first step that was taken. Rudy Gobert was giving an interview. At the end of the interview, he basically made sure to touch every single microphone or tape recorder that the reporters had in front of them. He then walked out of the room. Two days later, two days later, he's not feeling well. He doesn't know if he's going to miss a game or not. He doesn't go to the arena in Oklahoma City for their game last night. He stays back. He gets tested, and it comes out positive. The impossible that we knew was guaranteed just happened. An actual player in an American professional sport tested positive. But it didn't end there. What happens now to all of the players on teams who played against the Utah Jazz? What happens to the referees who referee games played by the Utah Jazz? What happens to people who were sitting courtside for those games? The ripple effect continues. And by the way, you play games without fans, there's still people courtside, whether it's 100 members of your family or 100 members of a broadcast crew. The reality is there are people who are close enough that they are in contact with someone who could have coronavirus. We then find out today that one of Gobert's teammates, Donovan Mitchell, tested positive because every jazz player was tested. That is one of the biggest problems we've had in this country is not enough tests were available. Not enough people were tested. The Jazz got themselves tested. They were quarantined in the clubhouse till it was done. But now multiple NBA teams are under self-quarantine because they came in contact with the Utah Jazz. But the NBA was continuing. They were continuing to play until the games of that night were done. We are sitting watching the Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings get ready for a game, wondering how is this possible that you would play a game after announcing the suspension of games in your league? Well, guess what? It turns out that one of the referees of that game had refereed a game with the Utah Jazz earlier in the week, and the players said, no, we're not going to play. So that game then got canceled as well. It should have been canceled in advance. That was the end of the National Basketball Association. The final look was of Mark Cuban staring at his phone in disbelief when he was shown the news that they had to go to a cancellation of the season because of a positive test of a player. You could see the look, and that look said it all. That's the look that everyone in the sports world has had because they didn't see it coming. Even though we all said it was happening, even though it's happened exactly as we were told by medical professionals it would happen, in the exact timing in which we were told it would happen, the look of surprise is the same look that has captured everybody in the sports world. So now what's happened today? There has been drips and drabs, like death by a thousand cuts of what leagues are going to do. The NCAA was playing conference games, getting ready. On CBS Sports HQ, we were preparing the fact that there were noon Eastern games that were going to be played, but not in front of fans. But these conference games were going to be played. We were showing live shots of golf tournaments with fans standing like sardines as golf tournaments were being played. People in the leagues were trying to figure out what do we do first. 
Well, we told them what to do here on CBS Sports HQ and nothing personal. We said, first, you react. And if it's an overreaction, it's way better than an underreaction. Then you breathe. Then you start releasing contingency plans. What you don't do is do something piecemeal. And what you're going to hear throughout this hour, we're lucky enough, we're going to bring in Gary Parrish. We're going to talk to Dennis Dodd. These people, these men know exactly what's going on with the NCAA. And what you're going to hear is that conference tournaments that were due to go on today were canceled literally one at a time. We had to go breaking news every five minutes for a different conference instead of a collective response. Then, of course, it goes on. NHL is going to meet. They're going to make an announcement. Well, we knew what the NHL was going to do, except we had to have it leaked out on Twitter or social media. There's a report that NHL officials were told to go home. Why else would they go home if there were going to be NHL games? But the NHL did not stand up and give us the announcement that they could have and should have, including last night. But they certainly didn't do it until well into today. And now it's happening with Major League Baseball. Drips and drabs. We are hearing, it's being reported, that spring training will be discontinued. Can you imagine that right now, as we speak, there are spring training games going on 40 miles from where I'm sitting. My old team, the Miami Marlins, are playing a game against the St. Louis Cardinals. There are people in the stands. There are people in spring training who fly from all over the country to Florida and then will fly all the way home again. Explain to me why we and they did not act sooner. It simply does not make sense. So where do we stand now from a sports standpoint? I feel like Ed Harris in Apollo 13 when the ship broke. Tell me what's working. Tell me what's being played. Right now, the only thing that's being played are spring training games through tomorrow, which is shocking and is subject to change. But don't worry, that'll be breaking news. And also, we've got golf that's being played, but not in front of fans. NASCAR, tennis, hockey, baseball, lacrosse, soccer, Inter-Miami was due to have its franchise opener Saturday. They waited and waited and looked terribly reactive because they knew they needed to cancel and postpone that game, but they didn't do it until they were forced to. That is the story of what's going on in sports. Welcome back to Nothing Personal, and exactly as we talked about, there's going to be breaking news all throughout the day. There'll be no tape segments today on Nothing Personal or CBS Sports HQ. It is now being reported and confirmed that Kansas and Duke, you're talking about two high seeds, likely a number one and a number two seed, have both said that they will not play in the NCAA tournament. Whether you've got fans or you don't have fans, they will not play in the tournament. For good measure, a bubble team, Arizona State University, a bubble team by the way, a bubble team who would have not been on the bubble had higher seed teams decided not to play. They too said they will not play. What this means is exactly what we have said is inevitable, that playing in front of fan, not in front of fans does not make sense. The NCAA tournament is going to be canceled. They simply have not announced it yet. What I want to do is bring in Gary Parrish, who is our resident expert in NCAA. And the first thing I want you to do, because this just happened, can you please react 
to what it means when a program like Duke, let's start with Duke, says that they will not play in the NCAA tournament? In the simplest terms, it means we're not going to have the NCAA tournament next week. Obviously, nothing is official yet, but all signs point to that announcement coming, I would assume, in the next. So also, I... the uh, committee chair of the NCAA tournament. So once that school says we're not playing, it, it seems pretty clear to everybody with even a little bit of common sense that we're not going to have the NCAA tournament next week. Now the only question becomes, is it going to be canceled to never be played or suspended and played at a later date? One of the issues that we have to talk about is what's happened in the sports world is you've had drips and drabs of announcements. You've had one conference at a time. This started with the Ivy League saying they were not going to play their tournament, and they were criticized mercilessly, but they were leaders as they are often. So instead of having one team do it at a time, do you not see an advantage toward being proactive if you're the NCAA and being fluid in your announcement and saying right now we are taking down the NCAA tournament? Certainly. I mean, this is a real problem with the structure of college athletics that uh, there isn't always a, a single voice making announcements, making decisions. The idea that uh, you know, around 9 this morning, there were still power conference commissioners insisting they were going to play games today. And then one after another, they cancel. The Big East tournament actually does start, then cancels after one half of basketball. The idea that we couldn't all get the same information at the exact same time and then make decisions, if we all knew we were ultimately going to make the same decision one way or another eventually, um, that doesn't make much sense to me. There has got to be a better way to do this. But as is the case with college athletics so often, they, they, they just rarely find the, the right and best way to do things. And I want to call out Val Ackerman because I was extremely disappointed that the Big East tournament went on after every single tournament had been canceled. The Big East tournament, she's the commissioner of the Big East. That, and you know her as being the former president of the WNBA, that tournament continued. It was surreal watching a game being played, almost worse for me than watching the NBA. And then at halftime, they choose to actually cancel the tournament. And my point to you, Gary, what do you think it's possible that Val learned between tip-off and the end of the first half that made her cancel at halftime and not before the game? Well, she got uh, on a call with other conference commissioners, at least one, and uh, gathered more information, she said, that, that swayed her to make that decision. But uh, I'm with you. The idea that they would even start that tournament when every other tournament of that level was not going to happen um, seemed nonsensical at the time. It was clear, even while they were playing, that uh, the next game would not start. So why you continue with that game or even start that game, it was, it was hard to understand. So now I want to talk about next steps because that's what everyone is going to be asking, and I certainly have an opinion on this. Is the NCAA tournament going to be canceled? Is it going to be postponed? From a logistics standpoint, you're talking about so many moving parts. You're talking about booking arenas and having arenas available to host these games. You're talking about getting the kids, the student athletes, back ready to play game action after not practicing or playing for what I don't think is going to be weeks, but what I do think is going to be months. From an absolute logistics standpoint, are you hearing anything about the possibility of postponement versus straight-up cancellation? I think both options are, 
on the table right now. Uh, you know, the, the point you make about logistically trying to postpone, um, it's very d- difficult to postpone and then play later. Can you secure the arenas to get this done? You know, right now, Duke is suspending all athletic activities. That means no practices. You know, how much practice time are they going to miss to then pick up an NCAA tournament, you know, several weeks or maybe even months from now? Um, obviously, in a perfect world, we would all like to play this at some point and allow the teams that had real national championship aspirations, you know, take a shot at it and see if they can, you know, cut nets after six wins in the NCAA tournament. But right now, um, you know, that, that much is unclear. They're, they're going to pick between two things, cancel and postpone. Um, but which side they're going to pick um, is, is hard to understand at this moment, hard to predict at this moment. The simplest is to just cancel, but that's also the most devastating. Yeah, I agree that's most devastating, but from where I sit, having run a team, I can only tell you, having looked at the logistics of what it is to reschedule something like a tournament, I don't see how it is even remotely possible to postpone it. Plus, you then have the network issues, whether or not they've got the open slots and the ability to actually broadcast. So there's so many layers, and we're not going to have all the answers now. The most important answer we have, and we got it thanks to you, Gary, is that all of these cancellations, and we are now just sit and wait for the next bit of breaking news when the NCAA officially tells you that the tournament has been either canceled or postponed. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you. I now want to talk to you. I'm lucky on nothing personal. It's two in a row today. That's how special it is. We've got Dennis Dodd. Dennis Dodd is a CBS guru for all things NCAA. Dennis, how are you? I'm great, David. Strange times we live in, huh? Yeah, this is something that you just can't plan for. There's no contingency plan. And what I've noticed is that the leagues have not been as nimble as I wanted them to be. And I was a part of one for a long time. And I know what it takes to make these decisions and communicate these decisions. And I just feel as though that all these organizations basically said, ah, I don't think it's going to happen to us. I don't think it's going to be so bad. We can't contemplate any sort of canceling or postponing. Then the Ivy League started. What I want to ask you to start with, hearing what happened with Kansas and Duke, have you heard any other teams are going to come out and follow Kansas and Duke by saying they will not play in the NCAA tournament? I haven't heard anything to that extent. Um, All we know now is things are very fluid. Uh, The NCAA, I have a story up on the site right now that the NCAA is going to take the day, likely meet into the night, and then probably won't have something until tomorrow. Now, that comes with the caveat that this could change in five minutes. You know, we know the cascading series of events that started yesterday have been ongoing. Um, I frankly don't know what they have to figure out, except the insurance that, you know, they would have to claim after canceling the tournament. But that's what I'm reporting right now, that this will extend most likely into tomorrow right now. One of the problems I have with it extending until tomorrow is everyone is sort of suspended in this era, in this sort of aura of disbelief. Is it possible that something like the NCAA tournament could be canceled or postponed? And what people aren't focusing on, these are college athletes, and at their colleges, they are all going to online classes. They're having extended spring breaks, and then even if they come back after spring break, there are no more classes where you are actually in person. So right now, you have to think about not just the athletics, where again, 
It's not just basketball, Dennis. This is every sport in the NCAA. When a team or school announces that there's no more athletics, we think basketball because of NCAA tournament time, but this applies to every other sport. So how is it possible that they would have a tournament happen in basketball when every other sport, all those tournaments and practices have been canceled? Well, I'll start at the beginning. The economic pressures in the Ivy League are much less than they are in the ACC, the SEC, and the other Power Five conferences. That's why you saw this start, basically. It started, it started with Johns Hopkins, Division Three. Uh, I think they canceled some games. And then it was the Ivy League, which has a much bigger academic mission than any of these conferences. And then it came up, I think the Big 12 was first after that, then Big 10, and ACC may have been last yesterday. I'm not sure, SEC. But, it, but look, it's nothing more than economic concerns. Um, the SEC, I'm sorry, the NCA is going to be fine, insurance-wise, because that's their only concern right now. But I'll tell you what another concern ought to be, uh, David. If one of these players, and they play this tournament, one of these players now contracts the coronavirus while at a site or while playing a game, the NCA won't exist anymore, because, uh, supposedly because of a lawsuit, you know, possibly coming from that player. And that's something they have to think about. The question is from you, I think, and a lot of people is why hasn't this thing been shut down yet? So you brought up two points that I'm going to have to talk to you about. The first one is this show is nothing personal where it's all business. So I absolutely understand what you're saying, that for the NCAA, there were economic and for the conferences, there were economic concerns. However, for a total straight business guy with no emotionality, for you to tell me, and I know you know it and think it, that the Ivy League is just superior academically so they don't have as much money to lose, I will say that I think from a leadership standpoint, they showed leadership and a, a absolute reckless yeah. indifference on the economic side, which is exactly what this virus calls for. The other leagues, the other conferences have thought of economics first and public health and safety second, and that has caused the fits and starts in terms of what's been canceled and what's not. So do you even see any possible economic reason, any economic reason, why the NCAA would not continue past their ban of fans and go toward a straight cancellation? Well, I'll say this. I don't think there should be an economic reason. I, I talked to a source this afternoon who said the schools will be made whole by their uh, units. They play for units. They play for equal units as they advance in the tournament. 90% of the NCAA budget comes from the tournament. And that's significant because most of that money goes back to the schools. They each get, I think it's $350,000 in student assistance fund money that they can uh, disperse to students and a whole lot more. Uh, they've got insurance for that. I'm sure the insurance was quite pricey. I don't know if it'll cover everything, but it'll cover some of it. Uh, the conferences, uh, I am told, did not that did not have that sort of insurance because they couldn't get that sort of insurance. The premiums, David, were so pricey to get insurance for, let's say, a, a biological event, which is what this is, uh, that they didn't get it. And they're going to lose money. They have rainy day reserve funds. But I, I think it's what you're saying. That shouldn't even be top of the list right now. We shouldn't even be thinking about that. About that. It should be player safety and the, and the safety of the, the public. What happened in the NBA where they waited for a player to test positively, they cannot afford at all right. for that to happen in NCAA, which means it is a non-starter that this tournament will happen. It is going to be canceled and or postponed. Dennis, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Definitely.
Thank you, David. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Hope you enjoyed that break. Happy you're joining me here on CBS Sports HQ. Things are closing left and right. We don't even have it officially confirmed yet by Major League Baseball that spring training is going to cease and desist as of tomorrow's games. As a matter of fact, there's games going on right now, strangely enough. There is a conference call between Rob Manford and the owners where they are talking about exactly what they're going to do. There is no shock. This season will be delayed, and they may not even announce it. In my opinion, MLB needs to stop spring training, announce the delay of opening day, and then breathe. Just take a minute. But when you stop spring training in a game as rhythmic as baseball, that actually has impact. And I don't mean economic impact. We're going to get to that later in this show. I'm talking about impact on the field. It is one game where the preparation is so important. And I'm lucky that on and off the camera, I get to talk to Will Middlebrooks. I want to bring him in, World Series champion for the Red Sox, a better guy, better father, better husband. Welcome to Nothing Personal, hey, Will happy Middlebrooks. Hey, to be here, David. Happy to be here. So here's my question. I want to go right into it because you're a player. I'm management, so we can go back and forth like Carville and Matlin. I want to know what happens when you are told that spring training is done. Are you relieved? Do you put your glove and bat away and go home? What do you do as a player? I'm the furthest thing from relieved. I know spring training is a grind, and at this point, I mean, a lot of players say spring training is too long. But at this point, as a hitter, you're 30, 40 at-bats in probably. You're starting to feel good. So if the season starts tomorrow, you're going to be okay. As a pitcher, 
you're throwing five to six innings, 70, 80 pitches, you're getting close to being stretched out and ready for the op- for opening day. So uh, the worst thing possible right now would be a, a lull in this or, or two to three weeks or however long off to, to set you back and make you have to start over. So when you talk about starting over, Will, I just want to be clear, and I want to help you because you just said the worst thing ever. The worst thing ever would be coronavirus inside a clubhouse. So to me, I want to make sure that everyone is healthy and that there's no pressure for anyone to be on top of each other and that if players want to go home, they can go home because what happened in the NBA with Rudy Gobert is not something I can tolerate to have happen in Major League Baseball, which is why I believe it should be closed starting this second, if not two days ago, if not two weeks ago. But Will, once we are clear of the virus, it could be two months, it could be three months, Tell me, how much time do you need? Do you have to do a full spring training again? Uh, full spring training? No. I think at least two weeks, three would be ideal, I believe, just to get me my at-bats and get my feet back under me because you can train all you want in the offseason, but if you're not on the field doing baseball activity every day, there's nothing to get you ready for that. So I would say at least two weeks, three would be ideal. So here's what's interesting. I want to talk about if I, the president of a team, came to you, my starting third baseman, the dream, the guy I wanted so badly on my team. By the way, you know we tried to trade for you so many times. You were untouchable by the Red Sox. They would not trade you to the Marlins. We offered everybody. I'm sorry. You know, David, if I'd known you beforehand, I would have pushed a little harder for them to let me go. But I didn't, and I love my time in Boston. I got one of these things. You did too, so it's fine. We're even. Well, we are even at one, and it's going to stay at one, but we are back together, reunited, peaches and herb. So let's talk about this. You go through, as, an, as a president, I would say to my players, please don't leave Florida. I know we're not playing games. I know we don't know when the regular season is starting. I know you've got the option of going home, but we are being told that we can keep the facilities open. So we're going to do BP. We're going to do some infield. We may play some simulated games. How do you feel as a player? Would I be able to pressure you into staying, or would you feel more comfortable going home and being with your family if you didn't have to report? I think it all depends on where you are in your career right now. I think if you're a veteran guy with a family and, and your family's not there with you, they're at home across the country, I think you go home. Uh, I think you put family first in this situation. If you're a younger guy, uh, you haven't been around very long, maybe you're not married or your family's there with you, stay. I think it's best that, you know, they're going to keep the workouts light most likely. You're going to be taking BP, keep your ground balls. You're going to keep your legs under you, do your conditioning workouts, and they can make sure what you're doing in-house. Uh, so so I, I would like to stay there if I'm the player, just to stay in the routine of things. We don't know how long this will be. It could be a week. It could be two weeks. So I want to stay in my routine uh, just to get me ready for the season. If I'm on the conference call right now with the commissioner, I'm making it very clear that I want direction because what you just said is what I want to avoid as a team president. I don't want to let a player have to make a decision because if you want to go home and family first and you've got kids or you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever you have, I don't want you to then be worried that you're going to be judged by me for disappearing, which you would be. So therefore, I want part of this announcement by MLB because remember, this season hasn't started. It's different than the NHL, different than the NBA. This season has not started. There has to be a clear directive. And from the players' union standpoint, you were a player in the union. Would you take that directive? Would you fight for a directive? And if so, I'm putting you on the spot. 
What directive would you want? Do you want facilities closed or opened? If I had to pick one, I would say I would say open. I think you have to give these guys choices. These are human beings. They have families. Uh, you don't want to be separated from them, especially in, in, in a situation like this. So I think you leave it open. Uh, you give guys a choice. And uh, I, I just honestly feel like that would, that would sit best with the players. Thank you, Mr. Middlebrooks. I you appreciate you being here. Thanks, David. All right, be healthy. So it's interesting what Will just said, and I want to tell you that MLB is going to have to come up with an announcement, and they're going to have to come up with a firm announcement. And that announcement can be that spring training has been discontinued. We are having players go home. We are closing facilities to clean them to make sure that we can stop any possible spread of this infection, and then we can figure out what the contingencies are going to be. Meanwhile, just announcing that your season is not starting on time or announcing that your season is being suspended. This is not the end of the news. There will be further announcement in, in every one of these sports. Let's give you an example. The NFL is not even in season right now, and they are making announcements as it relates to travel, as it relates to what they want their employees to do. As a matter of fact, the Washington Redskins announced that they are grounding scouts they are having people work from home. Many other teams are following suit. So the NFL today decided they were going to cancel their owners meeting, their spring meeting. And the reason why this annual meeting got canceled is right now travel is uncertain. Things are being canceled every minute something different. The last time Governor Cuomo in New York City had to cancel Broadway I'm trying to remember the last time the lights went out on Broadway, and it wasn't in a song by Billy Joel. Today it was announced that Broadway shows are closing. The NBA, in their announcement, said, we are closing for a minimum of 30 days. That's a minimum. If you speak to and listen to anyone who knows, real doctors, real doctors, not me, I'm not a doctor, I play one on nothing personal. Real doctors are saying that we need to flatten the curve of this epidemic, which means we have to spread out all the people who are going to get this virus in order to not tax the healthcare system. By flattening the curve, which is the best way to stop it at the end, that takes time. So we're talking 30 days at a minimum is my thought, which is why all of these events that right now are being simply postponed that really will turn into a cancellation. It is incredibly hard to reschedule certain events. And this will continue, but the drip and the drab of the announcement, I think today is the day that it stops. MLB will come out just like the NHL did. The MLS came out and said it, and that will be really it for sporting events. So what does that mean for you? People who watch sports, people who bet on sports, people who think about sports, what are you going to do now with your time? Well, I have two suggestions. There's so many possibilities within sports. I'm going to start with, on Nothing Personal tomorrow, I'm going to give my top five list of books on sports. There are great books written by great writers that will keep you more than entertained. The next thing, top five binge-worthy shows. We will do that. The next thing on Nothing Personal, we're going to give you the top five sports events to watch on tape, to watch on rerun, to feel as though we are back to having sports. 
We are not going to have to live without sports for a long time. I can promise you that. But in the short period, it's a guarantee. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You're watching on CBS Sports HQ. This has been a day of breaking news when the sports landscape changed in a way that we have not seen most of us in our lifetime. We're talking about now American sports following European sports and Asian sports in trying to contain COVID-19 coronavirus through the cancellation, suspension, or straight postponement of sporting events from A to Z. All sports. We're still waiting official word for Major League Baseball. What about the economic impact of this? We talked earlier about the social impact, how necessary this was. And it was necessary. Sports has to take a back seat. We always use sports to heal. Well, this is now when not playing sports is what's necessary to heal. And it's been a very hard adjustment for commissioners and for fans and for broadcasters and for sponsors. It's been very hard for everyone to come to grips with the reality that we are now facing. And what set off this avalanche was the positive test by NBA player Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz of coronavirus. Simultaneously, famous actor, Academy Award winner Tom Hanks and his wife tested positive in Australia. And all of a sudden, it's as though we took note. But there's going to be another side to this story. And it's the side that when you're watching your 401k or when you're thinking about the market and the stock market and watching it go down day after day, the economic impact that we may feel as we may head into the first recession of many of our lives. This is the time when we will look to people for leadership and guidance. And the first person who stood up The first billionaire team owner who stood up was Mark Cuban, who after last night's game with the Dallas Mavericks, he's owner of the Mavericks, against the Denver Nuggets, having been told that his season was canceled, he then looked at his phone, he gave an interview where he said that we are going to come up with a program to help the hourly workers who are going to be impacted by this suspension of the NBA season. What exactly was he talking about? Let's start with the hourly workers who are called game day employees, who are only working without benefits. They work only day of game. They come in a few hours before the game and start popping the popcorn or flipping the burgers or thinking about scanning your ticket. They then clock in, they clock out, they get paid. If there is no game, they don't get called in and they don't work. Is Mark Cuban suggesting that he is going to replace their pay as though these games were still going on? Will he continue that through the playoffs? Will he continue that through the entirety of this suspended NBA season, which is being reported as only 30 days? So if the Mavericks are only missing four days, is he replacing only Mavericks games? What about the concerts that take place at the American Airlines Center? or the other activities of a fully booked arena? What about the restaurants or the waiters who have bars and restaurants in the area around the buildings where there won't be games? Just picture Wrigleyville, if you've ever been to Wrigley Field. During, before, and after a Cubs game, it is packed with people. The amount of money that bartenders and bar owners lose when the Cubs don't make the playoffs 
is measured in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, not nickels. And it's not one bar. So are we talking about trying to replace that income if baseball games, if home games are lost? Too often we as presidents or owners, we or even players, we make gestures that we think are magnanimous. We say that we are going to help people and we do our best, but we don't have a full understanding of what it means to help these people. Wouldn't it be amazing for Mark Cuban not to have to be the one to stand up? Wouldn't it be great if part of what the NBA did or the or Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, let's keep going, NHL, let's keep going, NCAA, let's keep going, the lacrosse league. I'm not jesting. Wouldn't it be great if as a league we got together and made an announcement, this is the reality, and it won't be today because we can't come up with a plan that quickly. We have no way of knowing at all how long this delay is going to be, when games will start again, what impact it will have on revenue, but wouldn't it be great if we actually then could qualify, quantify, and then do what we can to help? It would be like a league-mandated started stimulus package, not the type that you hear about in an Oval Office address that you don't know how to touch or feel and you don't know what it means. We're talking about a very microscopic for people in the general area of these games, the employees who work every single day at these events. That would be an announcement. But why is it that there can't be such an announcement? The reason is that when owners take a minute And it's not today, but as team president, my responsibility would be to tell my owner, this is the amount of money you will be losing. This is the size of the check that you will now need to write. You're right. We don't have to pay players when we don't play games, but there are other fixed expenses that we do have to pay, like rent to our building. A report came out yesterday that a company called Fitch, Fitch is a company that rates the debt on arenas. All that means is that rich people borrow money to build things, and the public borrows money to build things. Then they pay it back like you pay back your mortgage. If you no longer have a job, you no longer can pay your mortgage. If you can't pay your mortgage, the bank can foreclose and take your house, and you've got a full-blown recession and a housing crisis. It's the same thing with ballparks. If you can't afford to pay the rent or to pay the fixed payments back to the people you borrowed money from, they can foreclose. In real life, that will not happen to teams and owners, but it is possible that owners will be writing personal checks in a way they never had to before. And that's just the start. On the broadcast side, there's a guaranteed money that comes in from broadcasters. And if the games are not played, that money doesn't get paid back to the team, but it gets credited against future games or future revenue. So basically, you are paying yourself now and taking from yourself later. These are just two very broad examples of things that in the real world will impact the economics of teams, owners, and also what will happen to patrons and workers. Now, I want to bring you back because if you're just tuning in to Nothing Personal, you're on CBS Sports HQ and I appreciate you tuning in. This is a day that is different than any other day I've had in my 18 years of sports and I was there for 9-11. This is a day that we knew was coming. 
This is a day that we could have prepared for better, but we didn't, and we're here, so what's happening? Major League Baseball is currently meeting. They are the final holdout. They are the only professional league who has not yet announced that they are suspending spring training and may be delaying, if not definitely delaying, the opening of the regular season. To give everyone perspective, two weeks from today is opening day. 14 days, March 26th. There is zero scenario that any doctor or any informed politician, person, sports executive, or player will tell you that the coronavirus will be contained within two weeks. So if spring training gets discontinued, by definition, MLB has got to announce that the opening of the regular season has been delayed, has been postponed. If they bifurcate the announcements, it's a huge, huge mistake. What I want baseball to do after its conference call is have a full-blown announcement where Rod Manford, the commissioner, not through a statement, this is a big deal. He takes the microphone himself and he talks to the fans. He talks about why the decision has been made and what took so long. He talks about this is his chance to do better than he did with the Houston Astros, to do better for baseball than the trash can banging scandal. By the way, is anyone happier than the Houston Astros? And I say that with only half my tongue in my cheek because no one's talking about sign stealing right now. No one's talking about trash can banging. Will it come back after? There will be so many other stories when the baseball season starts that many people will forget to boo the Houston Astros. So Rob Manford will come and stand in front of the microphone and say, here is why we waited. We wanted to make sure that we looked at every possible solution to make sure that we were protecting the health of our fans, of our players, and of the entire league. The next thing that happened, which is very fascinating to me, is that he can come out and say, we are going to work closely with not just local but federal officials as we decide the best time to restart baseball. Baseball is our national pastime, and it will be used to heal. But the way to heal right now is by delaying opening day. Wait to see. We are lucky. This is a guy who I get to sit with at CBS Sports HQ in the studios, and I get to listen to him. This is an award-winning football guy. His name is Jamie Eisenberg. He's got the off-season beard, but there's no off-season in the NFL. Thank you for joining me. We got to talk about the NFL a little bit. We've been talking all hour about coronavirus, about all that the leagues are doing who are either in season or about to be in season. The NFL's in a different situation. What impact in your mind does coronavirus have on the free agency process? Specifically, I need you to mention Sir Thomas Brady. Oh, well, um, first off, free agency is expected to go on as planned next week. Uh, they're going to have the vote for the CBA uh, going on this weekend from the Players Association. And then we're going to get to, you know, when the franchise tag will be determined, uh, who, which player is going to get it. And then we get to free agency with the, uh, the uh, tampering period on the 16th and then the signing on the 18th of March. Uh, the biggest impact, though, right now is the NFL has canceled their annual meetings, uh, which were scheduled for the end of the month. Just being precaution, you know, uh, with um, the owners traveling, with uh, GMs, coaches traveling to Palm Beach 
which would they be voting on, you know, the new league rules, new <clears throat> start of the new league, and anything that they typically discuss at these meetings. Uh, from what we're hearing, it could be pushed back to May in California. That is yet to be confirmed, but that's something that they're talking about right now, about maybe, you know, just postponing it until May. But the league meetings are not going to go on in March as planned, but free agency right now will be as planned, and then we'll find out where Tom Brady's going to play. My guess, though, it's still going to be the New England Patriots. I just can't see him leaving New England at this point. I think we're going to see him finish out his legacy as the greatest quarterback, potentially greatest player of all time in New England as a member of the Patriots. That's where I was when there was a report that Tampa was going to make a huge push for Tom Brady, offer him the moon, the sun, and everything underneath both of those. I thought to myself, Tom Brady, Buccaneers, that doesn't seem to match. I want to go back to one thing on you said free agency and postponing the owner's annual meeting. In baseball, if we didn't have a face-to-face meeting, we would find a way to be able to do it by Skype, by video. If there are decisions that need to be made for rule changes, for example, there's a lot of rule changes that are being pondered. I'm not sure that I need to wait till May. Why are you hearing that they can't do a meeting via teleconference? Well, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some conversations. You know, you could do a conference call, you could do a teleconference. I'm sure there are a lot of ways technology can help in getting them to get on the phone and discuss some things. But I think they like to have those face-to-face meetings. You know, the one thing about the, the annual league meeting that we typically see, it's almost a, a social event as much as it is the guys getting together and discussing the new rules, getting to uh, start the league year, as we typically see, you know, with everything getting kicked off at that particular point. But given the circumstances, you know, I think they're going to postpone at least actually getting together in person if they're still able to, you know, for the safety of the owners, safety of the coaches and general managers, just to have everything pushed back until May. And, you know, as we're seeing with the NFL, that pushed out west, Las Vegas getting a team, Los Angeles getting a new stadium, the league being located in Los Angeles as well, uh, part of their offices and the network, also NFL Network. Uh, Moving it to California is probably a logical choice. And doing it in May, again, just from a safety standpoint, makes a lot of sense. With teams that are now taking their employees off the road, in baseball, if, when we take our scouts off the road, that's actually a big deal because they have to do their job from the road by looking at players. Very quickly, in about under a minute, just tell me, Jamie, when you're taking scouts off the road right now in the NFL as we're approaching the draft, did the player, do the teams not know who they're taking and they're still scouting right now? They're still scouting, and they want to get a chance to see these guys at their pro days, but the fact that it's happened after the combine is a big thing. You know, the things that uh, took place at the combine was big. They got a chance to do those one-on-one meetings. This is usually the follow-up, their due diligence, and the players that they really like, the ones that they're really taking a look at that they're actually going to have a chance to draft. That's what the pro day is for, to get those final numbers in terms of the 40-yard dash, bench press, all those things. But the combine happening already is a good sign. The fact that they're canceling these, these, uh, these, these visits aren't great, but it is part of the process. Jamie, thank you so much. It is always good to talk to you. You too. Well, we've spent the last hour talking through all the changes that are taking place, and it is happening in real time. You better stay with CBS Sports HQ, and thank you for always paying attention to nothing personal. I'm David Sampson.